Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And what's up to you listening wherever you are tonight at WWL.com or the Radio.com app? It's a new week. Welcome back. And the Pelicans making news over the weekend. They hired Trajan Langdon, the highly sought-after assistant general manager up in Brooklyn, who interviewed for the job David Griffin got. They were so highly impressed by Langdon. And the they, in this case, is uh, Dennis Lauschen and Gail Benson and that crew and Mickey Loomis, that they wanted to give him an opportunity to have those conversations with David Griffin. And this was David Griffin's decision to bring on Trajan Langdon as the new general manager. We'll get into that. Also, we've got the NBA playoffs going on tonight. It is the Warriors and the Blazers tipping off momentarily. And Golden State up three games to none in that series. So they're trying to close out the Blazers today. And frankly, I think they're going to do it. Usually when teams lose that game three on their home court, they're pretty flat coming back in that game four when it's elimination time. We'll keep an eye on that, but things not looking good up there. Uh, in Portland. I also want to talk about the Warriors this opening hour because everybody loves to hate the Warriors. It's fashionable to hate the Warriors. It's fashionable to hate everything that that is great or dominant in our society. I mean, just look at Game of Thrones. There's quite literally been nothing as spectacular on television ever as Game of Thrones. I've loved it. Almost everybody that I've talked to loves it. I think there was a poll that was out last week, and I forget the site that did it, but 89% of, of people love Game of Thrones. The 11%, though, they're the loud ones, real loud ones on social media. And I guess it's easier to write 240 words hating on a script or a character arc or something than it is to have the nuanced love of a show. And that kind of absurdity has become commonplace in sports. It really has. Far too many people engaged in the hate punditry that proliferates on cable channels, sports talk radio, social media. I can't stand it. I've ranted on it before. But I guess it's no longer acceptable just to admire the success of, oh, say, uh, the Patriots and their remarkable quarterback, Tom Brady. No, most discussions about the Patriots or Brady begins with a but. Oh, the Patriots are great, but Brady's the GOAT, but I hate him because. But what? I mean, really, but what? Six championships isn't enough to satisfy you? Or the way that the Patriots and Brady do professional football just might be the best way to do it? 
I guess we need critical scorn of the Patriots. I mean, LeBron James, same thing. He has remarkably to me nearly as many detractors as he does fawning onlookers. If the internet's to be believed anyway. Here's this new stuff about Joe Montana. Joe Montana is being criticized as a system quarterback. Derek Carr said it. And now you've got sports talk radio hosts and people on cable TV backing him up. What are you talking about? People hate Duke basketball just because they win too much, I guess. And forget that they might just be doing college basketball better than everybody else. This brings me to the Warriors and the Pelicans. There's a reason I'm opening it up. I'm not just talking about the Warriors here. I'm going to make a point about the Pelicans. Gold Sander just told you they're 48 minutes away from sweeping the Blazers, getting back to the finals, probably going to win the finals again. By the way, this is without Kevin Durant. People loathe Durant, and people really despise the Warriors. Mainly because, I guess, they win so much. There's not enough room inside that hate-filled brain of most people where they can admire what the Warriors are doing. I have conversations literally every day on Golden State, and it shocks the heck out of me. They're really brilliant minds and friends of mine who almost all of them won't even have a conversation about the Warriors' greatness because they don't like them that much. Well, here's a news flash for everybody. And I mean this. The Warriors deserve admiration, not scorn. They have built their dynasty through incredible drafting, great talent development, and a remaking of their front office and coaching staff. I think it's uh, easy to forget that the Warriors were the NBA doormat before stay, uh, Clef and, uh, uh, Clay and Steph showed up. I like that Clef. Let's call them that. Before uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson showed up. Golden State made one playoff appearance between the 94-95 season and the 2011-2012 season. One. One time they made the playoffs in those 17 years. They were basically the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. Now, the Warriors, not a model of NBA excellency, and they weren't considered a spot for premier free agents. Not even a spot. They were an afterthought. Sound familiar? The Pelicans are that. The Pelicans can claim a little commonality with the pre-Steph Curry Warriors. But there's been three pillars, three pillars of the Warriors' success and how they built it. One, the draft. They struck gold three different times between 09 and 12. Curry with the sixth pick in 2009. Clay with the 11th pick. A couple of years later, it was in 2011. Then the year after that, they had Draymond Green somehow found him in the second round. Those are three Hall of Fame guys. And when you talk about the Warriors draft, you usually frame it around, well, luck. How lucky was Golden State that they got these guys? Well, no, they were true to their vision for building the Warriors, a team that really hasn't been built before, hadn't been built before up to that point in the NBA, one that valued ball movement, not isolation ball, unselfishness, not isolation ball, that valued positionless basketball, where Draymond Green, the 6'7 guy, can go and play center. People across the league, I remember this, were laughing at Golden State, saying this is not how you build this. This is going to be an absolute disaster. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, you kidding me here? 
No, they stayed true to their vision. They also had a lot of misses in the draft. People don't talk about during that time. It's not like they were perfect. Ekpe Udo in 2010, Anthony Randolph a couple years before that. The Pelicans now have a real shot to replicate that success. It seems absurd on its face, but the Pelicans are going to have this incredible stockpile of draft picks over the next few seasons. They've got the one pick this year they're going to use on Zion, but they're going to get a King's Ransom in an Anthony Davis trade and maybe even a Drew Holiday, tra- Holiday trade because, let's face it, he's on the block. Not saying they're going to trade him, but they're going to field offers for Drew now. From a front office perspective, the Warriors' front office and coaching staff envy of the league, although they had to make a really tough decision early on in firing Mark Jackson, a decision that was panned everywhere, but they stuck true to that vision. They believe Steve Kerr was a better fit Believed in ball movement, positionless basketball more than Mark Jackson ever did. He was also a great communicator and handled these superstar egos. The Pelicans, we know. I'm not going to rehash it, but they've already started rebranding and rebuilding their front office, and it's been incredible. David Griffin, Aaron Nelson, now Trajan Langdon. The job's not over. That's not going to stop there. Alvin Gentry is coming back next season, and I believe he deserved that opportunity for how he handled this Anthony Davis fiasco. However... Gentry's going to need to prove very quickly that he's capable of developing Zion and these the slew of other young players that are coming in. And if he doesn't, if it stalls and stagnates, they've got to be just as ruthless with Alvin Gentry, unfortunately, as the Warriors w- were with Mark Jackson, a very respected coach and mind. And then we get to free agency and trades. I don't think people realize before Kevin Durant showed up and they won a title and set an NBA record for regular season wins, the Warriors stayed almost completely away from free agency and trades, at least the high price free agents. Their biggest move during that span was probably the three-way trade to bring in Andre Iguodala, a, a guy who's still a critical piece for them. They did not go on the open market. They didn't make high-risk moves in trades or free agency. And frankly, they couldn't lure anybody there. Well, this is a no-brainer for the Pelicans. They just cannot mortgage any part of their future by making the ill-advised decisions in trades and free agency that Dell Demps did for so many years. And I have hope that that's not going to happen under David Griffin. So a a little plea from me to open our week of shows, when you watch the Warriors – You can dislike that they win so much. You can be tired of them winning everything. But what I would plead with you, what I'd implore you is, admire what they have built. They have built it the right way. The blueprint is there. The Warriors have shown it for what the Pelicans can do to build something similar. So stop with the hate. Stop with the hate. And just take a step back and try to admire the greatness that you're watching tonight out in Portland. I'm Seth Dunlap. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rights is going to join us. We'll talk some possible Anthony Davis trades here as we get started on the last lap. Please, please, I am asking you, I'm sincerely asking this to everybody listening, stop the hate. Every time the Warriors are on TV, everybody just instantly jumps to the, the hate fest that follows. Stop the hate, step back and admire what they've built and realize that they have laid out a blueprint for what the Pelicans can do and how they can do it here to build something similar through the draft, a rehaul of the front office and coaching staff, and smart, frugal moves in free agency in the trade market. And frankly, that means uh, not getting involved 
over the next few years as you figure out what you have with the young guys. We're bringing in Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rights now to talk about it with us. Ollie, uh, welcome to the show, and uh, it was fun hanging out with you on fourth down uh, and four uh, with Doug Mouton and uh, Joe last night. It was fun, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Sitting across from each other, just talking about the Pelicans. I mean, who would have expected it, right? Playoffs <laughs> are going on, Pelicans aren't in it, but that's what everybody wants to talk about. I know, isn't it, Ollie? And I guess it's we know why. It's it's not only David Griffin, yeah. it's uh, it's Zion. Um, let's start with Trajan Langdon. So Griffin brings in uh, Trajan Langdon, and that was his decision, I'm told, that he had the ultimate power to say yes or no to that. And it's interesting, I told you this yesterday, I think um, we were discussing this, that Griffin told us in that in opening press conference, we asked him point blank, are you going to hire a GM? He said no, and apparently Trajan t- changed his mind. Yeah, I think after Trent Redden, I think maybe he thought that he wouldn't be able to grab Trajan Langdon, even though they had worked together in Cleveland for a year. And they're very familiar with each other. I'm guessing that maybe Langdon something, you know, suddenly had a change of heart. And that's what's curious, Seth, about all this, is the fact that maybe Brooklyn should have promoted him from assistant GM to GM, maybe offered him some more money. Maybe something like that happened. He didn't like it and therefore came to New Orleans. But, you know, we don't know. And I think those details don't matter simply because, you know, they first of all, they've got two great hires, two, two guys that were at the top of everybody's list, really, for the next guy just to run the Pelicans office, and they get two of them. How they did it, it doesn't really matter. It's the fact that they're in New Orleans now. How big of a move is this for New Orleans? Oh, this is huge because if there's one thing, first of all, with David Griffin, if you want to point out any weaknesses, it's all the drafts that Cleveland kind of fumbled up there during his time. You know, I don't have to go too in the depth about Anthony Bennett, Deion Waiters. You know, there were others as well handing out big contracts. That is what Langdon's going to basically fill in for him. I think that's why he wanted Trent Redden. Trent was known for all his scouting ability, his ability to identify that talent. And I'm here, and that's what Langdon does really well too. I mean, so. Even though the storyline seems to be, hey, this guy puts family first, and we know what Griffin has talked about, wanting that like-mindedness, trying to develop a certain specific culture, and it's great he's adding. I think really behind the scenes, I think it's Langdon's abilities that is what's going to be crucial, and that's what was most important to Griffin. So it's fantastic. I mean, you hit one home, and you never think you're going to hit a grand slam the next time you go up to bat. It's Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rights with us talking Pels and NBA. And, and that's just it, the, you know, the grand slam because all these moves that they've made, Ollie, in the last month, that regardless of the draft lottery success that they fortunately had, I would be pretty excited about what they're doing regardless of that, just with the Griffin hire and the Nelson hire, and, and now you bring in Trajan Langdon. Seth, you nailed it. Earlier today I told somebody that. I said, look, if we would have just landed any one of these names just alone – how ecstatic would we have been going into next season? How much more positive we would have felt about this team? And that's, you know, it would have been a complete 180 turnaround. Now that we've gotten three, I think now we're getting a little spoiled here. And I'm worried that expectations may be a little too high. But, again, that's for another time. Um, you're right. This, this is just incredible, Seth. And I just hope the city realizes that when Gail Benson promised changes, that we've heard, you know, all that talk in the past. Well, she legitimately has put it out there and proven it. And you don't have to look any further than with any of these single hires. And when you combine them, wow, it's just amazing. Do you think the Trajan Langdon hire happens without the Pelicans getting that one pick in Zion? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that probably played a part into it. We can assume that maybe Langdon to get something from the Nets, but that's another thing. you got to look at what the Pelicans can now offer and what's really changed between when he interviewed before for the job and now. Well, it's laying that overall pick. 
suddenly the Pelicans are going to become a destination city. They're going to become one of the more prevalent cities in the NBA regardless. Of, and, and the fact they haven't even done anything on the court yet, Seth, they're going to be on Christmas Day. They're going to have a lot of these key matchups. So the exposure is going to be there. So that's going to be even better, first of all, for Langa. But the other thing you've got to remember is now he's going to have this young talent. The Pelicans are chasing young talent. And how best to make your mark when you're kind of in the scouting mark side of things it's to be able to say, I brought this guy in and this guy in. And when you've got a guy like Zion and Drew Holiday already staying there, they're probably going to pan out. They're probably going to look good. So who else is going to look good? Trajan's going to look good. So it was a smart decision by him. All right, let's get into whatever it is we're talking about the next month or so, and that is possible Anthony Davis trades. It's at Ali Cosell with us, Ali Cosell on Twitter. Um, so who are the leading candidates for this? And what every fan wants to know, Ali, you let them know uh, when these trades might be able to be executed. Yeah, certainly. We already know the names, uh, the Boston Celtics, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Knicks. Those are probably the four you have to know first. Uh, there's probably going to be, obviously, when it comes to Anthony Davis, there's going to be guys that come out of the woodwork, uh, whether it's a Denver, a Toronto, even a Chicago, maybe a Dallas. But we're going to stick with the top four because, like I said, those are the most likely scenarios. And I think the favorite right now has to be Boston because Griffin has namely made it a point to say, it's a culture he wants to build. It's all about the fit. And he's even talked about it. And we talked about this yesterday about there's certain guys that in this draft that really, you know, wowed him that he really liked because of, you know, them as a human being. Yeah. Forget about the basketball talent. It's what he likes about their personal side. They're, they're, you know, away from basketball side. So given that you've got to think high character guys are going to be number one. So really Jason Tatum and the Celtics, you've got Marcus Smart. He wants guys that are dedicated, willing to throw everything on the line, play hard, as well as be good basketball players. And really, there's nobody in today's environment right now that offers a better package of anything, of combination of all that, than Boston. So you got to think they're their favorite, Seth. Um, and I'm going to keep throwing the Clippers out there. I keep thinking that they're going to do something. They're going to land a Kawhi Leonard or a KD this offseason. So they're not going to stop there. They're going to want to pair him up with somebody. And, of course, Anthony Davis. Who better than to bring in through a trade? And like I said, I like Shea Gildas Alexander. I think he's a high character guy with a great motor who just put forth a very good rookie, very underrated good rookie season. And of course, you probably talked at length about the Knicks. Um, I don't think I need to delve any further than that. They offer a lot of that young talent uh, that hasn't blossomed at all yet. You could almost say the same thing about the Knicks, or excuse me, the Lakers crew of Ingram, Kuzma, Ball. But Again, they're not going to be as high, I think, on the list. And as for any deal, Seth, you've got to think it's going to have to come after free agency period because to move anything now, it's going to require contracts that can be traded now. So anybody in their last deal or last year of their deal, for instance, uh, cannot be included. So the Lakers right now couldn't even you know, make a deal for Anthony Davis right now it's not because they don't have enough salary money to uh, trade away. So. Most likely it's going to happen in free agency. All right, Ollie, can we hold you for 60 seconds? I want to ask about that two-pick that Memphis has. Sure. All right, 60 seconds back with Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rights. High-scoring first quarter up in Portland. Warriors a 28-25 lead. Ten points for Clay Thompson to lead all scores. Uh, Dames having himself a rebound game. Uh, been not good in this series with that defense. He's 3 of 3, 7 points 
to lead Portland. Ollie Cosell is with us of the bird rights as we talk Pelicans and possible Anthony Davis deals. Uh, Ollie, and I know we talked about this last night, but it's so fascinating to me that the Pelicans, I think, might have a shot here. And I don't know how good of a shot it is, but at least there's some realm of possibilities where they can get the two pick from Memphis, who holds that right now because they have Mike Conley, the point guard, and he's got that big contract there. And of course, one pick behind the Grizzlies at number two is the Knicks. Is there any possible way in your mind that a three-way trade maybe could be executed uh, with somebody, whether that's the Knicks or Lakers, where Memphis would be interested in moving back and the Pelicans could grab the one and two picks? And of course, that would mean John Morant and Zion here. I love that you brought that up on TV yesterday because one of our writers over at the Bird Rides contemplated that exact scenario. And he reached out to some people in Memphis about the likelihood of this. And you know what? The answer is they think there's a good chance of it happening simply because the Grizzlies, they're going to be strapped to uh, bring in good young talent down the future because they still owe a first-round pick to Boston. There's a couple other picks that they've given away. I know there's a 2022nd rounder that's already gone somewhere else. So I've heard that they'd be willing, unless they think John Moran is legitimately going to be a superstar, they believe, these people that Preston talked to, that the second pick can be had for moving just the third or the fourth forward and then sending some additional draft pick compensation back to Memphis. So that, that scenario to me, you know, that's got to go in the likely, you know, uh, category simply because the Grizzlies, if that's true, remotely true, and they, they, they truly value draft capital and getting as much as they can, you know, because you're not going to get much from Mike Conley. They've already lost Gasol. They really have nobody else to trade to bring in that capital. So this might be their last chance to really like, all right, we're not that high on jaw. Let's go ahead and split them in at least possible two or three other first-round picks. So that would be a dream scenario, Seth. And, you know, I don't know if New Orleans could even contain their excitement, let alone us. You know, when we talk about this team, if Zion and Jock could take the floor together in their rookie seasons. <laughs> yeah, no no doubt. Uh, are you, it sounds like you're high on Jaw, right? Like I am, yeah. Ollie? Yeah, all of us at the Bird Rights, we started falling in love with this kid because of the highlights he's posting in December. I mean, everybody's watching Zion. You're still watching Jock, too. But we've legitimately, from all, if, if anybody's followed our uh, the Bird Rights Twitter account, we've been posting anything in Jaw related for at least two to three months. We love him. Even There's even a few of us, and I hate to say it and admit it, but they would rather have Job than Zion. I'm not in that boat. We'll never be in that boat. But, again, we're, yeah, we're very high on that guy. We think he's a legit, legit chance to be a good star in this league. How much of a drop-off is there from Jaw to uh, R.J. Barrett in your mind? Because I do think there is one. I was, I was doing another radio show today, Ollie, and I think it's kind of three tiers. Like, I'm with you. I think, I think Zion is the guy in this draft. I think anybody saying Jaw is there is uh, it's a little silly talk and hot takes, I guess. But I do think that there's a gap between Jaw and R.J. Are you agreeing with me there? Again, I do. I guess we think too much alike. <laughs> this is, I, like I know, it makes for terrible radio, right? <laughs> exactly. I would rather have Culver, maybe even a Kobe White, honestly, than Barrett. Look, he, he's, he's a great talent. He can do a lot for his size. But there's some things that worry me. For instance, he only likes to go left. He doesn't really have a right uh, going direction. He, the defense, he has no motor there. He doesn't show it. And then I've also heard kind of some negatives about his work ethic. So, when you combine all that, and then when you watch him play uh, for Duke, where, honestly, he was a little too ball-dominant when he's not even a good shooter, mm -hmm. right? So th there's just a lot of things that I put in the little package, and I just didn't like it, you know? I don't know what he's going to amount to because he's not a high-flyer, guys. He's not going to be throwing down, using his athletic ability to go around over people. 
No, I mean, he, he, I hate to say that comparison, but I look at maybe him topping out like a Jabari Parker. He's going to be a scorer, but he's going to be a high-volume shooter who's not efficient and doesn't play defense. So that, to me, is not somebody that's worth a third pick. Uh, that's not somebody that, you know, you think a lot of chips into. Yeah, I agree with you. And by the way, you hit the trigger phrase for me, high-volume shooter or score. That's like uh, calling a golfer like a high-volume putter. Like he'll eventually get there. He's <laughs> take a couple more shots. Right, bad scores coming. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ollie, I know you're going to be covering, and your team over there is going to be covering the heck out of this for the next couple of months at thebirdrights.com. Always appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Beth. All right, Ollie Cosell, at Ollie Cosell on Twitter, O-L-E-H-K-O-S-E-L. Got to give him a follow there. Blazers have taken a one-point lead at 29-28 to late in the first quarter. Text from the 504 at 870 Flock up. I expect to land at least one big fish to the squad. Kawhi Leonard, KD type of talent. That's from John on the West Bank. You don't want that here. And I will tell you why when we come back. We'll get into that. Plus, Ben Mintz is going to come in studio. I host a radio show up in Shreveport, hanging with Mintz, mixing it up with Mintz. And I was on his show today. He was doing a live show out at the Avenue Pub and um, do some spots usually with him. He's going to come hang out with us for the next, uh, oh, 45 minutes or so. Plus, your calls at 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Text lines 870-870. And our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at www.com. How many games does LSU need to win at the SEC tournament? to host a regional wwl.com radio.com app back after this on the last lap welcome back to the show and the the blazers have taken a lead again dame's still perfect 35 34 and then the warriors hit a bucket at the end of the first quarter so they're back up 36 to 35 of course no kd no iggy but steph with 12 and clay with 10 so 22 points in that first quarter for the splash brothers uh there you go got a special guest in studio like promised ben mintz mix it up with mintz up in shreveport who's doing his show today he's been in town is doing a little uh, world series of poker circuit event hanging out and he's gracious enough to come up in studio and ben welcome and i know you said you used to listen to wwl growing yeah, up right? i did i grew up in monroe but going to saints games as a kid so i gotta say it's a little nostalgic moment First time I've ever been on WWL, and uh, glad to be here. And want to thank you. I did my show at Avenue Pub and the Lower Garden District in Noel. I had a great time earlier, and I want to thank you for coming on there. And uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, dude. No, any time at Ben Mintz five three one on Twitter, so you can give him a follow there. Uh, we're talking about the Pelicans and possible Anthony Davis trades. Ben, uh, we'll start there. Do you have any? Any ones you formulated as we do this thing that we all do, coming up with these random trade possibilities, 99.9 of which uh, aren't even in the realm of real possibilities. But do you have any that you've been formulating? Well, one thing I will back up, we talked about this on my show earlier, is that, I mean, I don't even know if there's a 1% chance you, you can the relationship can be repaired. I think, you know, I think what's done is done, mm -hmm. and everybody's burned out on it, and so something's got to happen. The question to me is, are they trying to make this trade happen before the draft or not? Because the top, the fall from the third pick to the fourth pick this year is so precipitous, you know, are they going to gamble and wait till after the draft? Or are they going to try to do something before this draft? Yeah, yeah, that's it's big. Ollie Cosello who's just on said they're going to wait till a free agency and hopefully execute it right then. It's interesting. I am wondering, and I'm really wondering this, and I'm going to write about this later this week. And I want to be the first guy on this bandwagon here because everybody's going to try to claim this in this city. I, Fletcher, if you're listening, I know you listen. Uh, I'm going to claim this one that the Pelicans should do everything that they can, Ben, 
to get the number two pick. If that's a three-way trade, a send an, uh, Anthony Davis to the Knicks, and then you move up, send another asset, or however it works. But get that two pick because having your point guard of the future in Ja Morant and Zion, I mean, that would be incredible in my mind. And it would, especially for the money, too, to have two guys that are your stars on rookie contracts with that frees up uh, you to do as far as salary cap goes. But I love Drew Holiday. I mean, I think he's a great example and veteran leader and plays hard. There's so many positives, but he's 28, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and Zion's 19, and so it's kind of just that age gap. Is uh, Are you you know in retooling mode? Are you trying to win now? And they've got to make that decision. Yeah. What do you think about the, the players in this draft? How do you evaluate, let's say, like jaw against R.J. Barrett? Is it close? Is there a gap? Anybody else you're high on in the draft? The R.J. Barrett thing's interesting to me because I know a lot of people had him come out of high school at number one ahead of Zion, but – I don't know. Uh, he didn't really – he played pretty well when Zion was out. I know he had a really good game against Syracuse and a few. But overall, I mean, he was hit and miss. Granted, it's hard to evaluate the upside of the 18- and 19-year-old kids because so much of the NBA yeah. is drafting on potential and what they're going to be like at 22 or 23. But, you know, as far as if you're trying to win now, I think Morant's, you know, going to help you more immediately. It's incredibly hard to find point guards, and I'm talking elite-level point guards in the NBA anymore. It's – um, you know, the, the center position, you could say it's like that, but the center position is extinct. Finding an elite point guard is about the hardest thing to do in the NBA now. Yeah, and, and also just, like I said, I can't reiterate enough the money. I mean, if you build your team around two rookies who you don't have to pay that much money to, look what you can do with the rest of your salary yeah, cap. Yeah. I mean, you could surround them completely with the right guys. And I think that's more of a long-term approach, which is probably what they should do right now. You know, Zion's going to be here for at least seven years. He's going to be 19 years old. I I know the interest in the franchise is going to be awesome this year. We've seen the season ticket sales have gone up, and that's great. But I, I don't think you need to just put all your chips in immediately. I mean, no. I think you got to trust the process. No, I, I, I agree, which is, it makes the Drew Holiday situation so interesting in the conversation around that. We all love Drew here. I mean, we all do. He loves the city. David Griffin's on record saying he's a foundational piece, he believes. But that age gap, uh, you know, now is the time where you could get maximum value for Drew. There would be multiple contenders in my mind willing to pony up a lot to get him. Um, and I just wonder if if that move happens alongside that Anthony Davis trade. I think it's certainly in play just because, as you said, the age gap. I mean, AD and Drew Holiday near the same age and Zion being so, so young. I don't know how much it matters that him and R.J. Barrett are real close friends because Zion's happy to come here anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you necessarily need to like appease him with his boy necessarily. No. I don't. That I don't, would be that would be a bad idea. Like, I'm not in the appeasing game no. <laughs> for professional sports. I, I have concerns about Zion and Julius Randle being able to play together with the way they're both left-handed and go to the lane and stuff. I wonder if like floor spacing would be an issue there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. Um, I know we were around with uh, – I was on with Doug Mouton yesterday, and he said, no, nah, he, he believes that um, Julius Randle is, is a gone pecan and isn't coming back um, regardless here. Alvin Gentry coming back, and I've been on record, Ben, saying that that's the right move. I think he deserved that, and deserved is a weird thing to even talk about in professional sports and head coaching jobs. But I just got to wonder how long that David Griffin envisions – um, his really good friend Alvin Gentry being around here. Do you think some of the Anthony Davis saltiness was how close he was with Monty Williams a few years ago, and that they Maybe. let him go? Because remember they Maybe. were super, super close. Yeah. I wonder if that was part of the. I hadn't thought about that. But remember how close yeah. they were? I mean, it was that was a real thing.
Yeah. I wonder if that was part of the angst. What, could you forgive Anthony Davis's, you know, the, your fan side for how he acted? I, I can't. I mean, I, I'm sorry to be petty, but I'm I'm Southern boy and I'm hard headed. <laughs> We're petty. Know, we got petty wars well, here I mean, in this it's city. It's just like, I mean, dude, you're making three or four hundred k a game. I, I have a hard time. <laughs> I mean, I know that you can't treat it like that because you know it's business and money's just a chip, like a chip at the poker table. Yeah. And when you're at that elite level, you can't look at it like you know the common man versus AD, but. He, he just could have waited till this offseason and done it, and it would have been okay in my mind. Just like a year out, just say, hey, you know, we tried our best. It didn't work out. But to do it halfway through the year, to me, was really what rubbed me the wrong way, <laughs> trying to force his hand before uh, the break. Ben Mintz in studio with us, host a radio show up in Shreveport, at Ben Mintz 531. And, yeah, I, I, I'm in an interesting spot with AD because I've defended – his ability to, to use his leverage i'm a player's rights guy to, to, to move he's given seven years here but he, he just kind of acted like a petulant child on the way out and i'm not sure i want that around you know this young impressionable guys these young impressionable guys are going to be on this roster going forward that's what i think too i just think what's done is done this seems like an untenable situation one of which we've kind of never you know we've seen star players one out of situations sure. before but to do it a year and a half out, I thought was, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't have even had a problem if he'd have done it in the offseason. I really wouldn't. Just said, hey, you know, we gave it our best. I know y'all went all in after we won the playoffs, swept the Blazers the year before. It didn't work out. But the, that power grab that, uh, you know, Rich Paul and LeBron mid-year, I don't know, man. Something about it, it's that Southern hardhead in me. But I, I'm still salty. Yeah, because Paul George was the offseason before. I guess Kawhi, well, it depends on what you believe with Kawhi, right? Whether you believe that he was behind the scenes just completely over his situation in San Antonio in midseason last year when he didn't come back trying to force his way out. So maybe that was the beginning of this. I don't think that's good for the league, man. I, I don't think it's good for the league when you have stars with you know multiple years left on their contracts. Um able to force their way out and i and look people will say look i'm free market capitalism but the the, the prof- good professional well-run professional sports leagues are a little more um, you know socialistic than capitalistic well i think also it's just a different era than you know we all grew up on the jordan era where you know you had your team and you made the best of it and they can't the whole teaming up with the superstars thing super team was just a foreign concept and look i don't totally blame them for that because you know if you're playing at the highest level something in the world you know, if you're making thirty, you know, the Pels, for example, with AD can offer the super max versus the max. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're making forty two million or thirty three million, <laughs> what's the difference? I mean, don't you know, your career's only once, you you're dealing with a limited shelf life yeah. in basketball, so you want to make the most of it. So I, I get the logic. It, it's just frustrating as a fan because you want to be loyal to your team and the, these superstars are not loyal to who you your loyalty. No, no, they're not. But it's it, business. I mean it is business. It's it's so interesting to cover the NBA in this in this age and and that I think people get so upset it is just my own opinion Ben people get so upset at Kevin Durant for doing this and don't say boo about you know Shaq or or uh, LeBron James I mean those were the two guys that really started the you know, the mercenary era in the NBA it was Kevin Durant just following up by the way it was Draymond Green who reached out to KD to bring him over there yeah, the Durant thing, though, I think that what rubbed everyone the wrong way on that was they had the 3-1 lead on that team and blew it, and then he went and jumped to the yeah. other team. And so that looked a little, I don't want to say gutless, but I'll say it. But the other side of the Durant thing is we don't know what it's like to be with Russell Westbrook. I mean, he doesn't necessarily <laughs> try to make his other players better. And I know that it seemed like there's a lot of infighting there. You know, the, the ball didn't really flow between those two guys too often in Oklahoma City. And so I, I think a lot of it just had to do with their relationship. It yeah, had to. I think so, too. Um, ben Mintz, mixing it up with Mintz. He's in studio till 930. We'll take a break. We'll update you on this Blazers-Warriors game. And 
We'll talk more about the Pelicans' possible trade partners with Anthony Davis. If you want to sound off, give us a call at 504-260-1870. That's 260-1870. And, of course, our text line is always open at 870-870. It's the last lap on WWL. I really think that money. Warriors and Blazers tied at 44 midway through the second quarter. We'll keep you updated on that. Ben Mintz is in studio at Ben Mintz 531. Host radio show up in uh, Shreveport who's in town, so asked him to come on today. And and uh, apparently um, also does, and I don't even know if it needs to be an impression, but you do a hell, a hell of a Patrick Mahomes impression. It, one of the weirdest moments of my entire life last year was uh, the first time I saw Patrick Mahomes get interviewed. Because I, I loved him at Texas Tech. I thought he was just such a unique quarterback with the crazy stuff he can do that we've never seen a quarterback yeah. do. And then I heard him open his mouth. And uh, I guess we're brothers from a, definitely a different mother. But he <laughs> talks exactly like me. I get yeah. a little – he, he kind of like dials it back a little bit, and I just go all out. But we have the same dialect and stuff, and I keep an eye out for not Patrick Mahomes' Twitter in the fall. <laughs> okay, wait. Can you give us a little bit of, like, you know, as Patrick Mahomes? Like, at a press conference, let's say – AFC Championship game. He just lost to the Patriots. Patrick Mahomes steps up to uh, the press conference, and, and here he is. Well, I would say uh, it was unfortunate that I never got the ball in overtime to have a chance to beat New England. But I'm used to that. But no, no. But I'm used to that because at Texas Tech, we scored seven or eight touchdowns a game and never won. So all I can do, all I can do, is my team score almost every time I touch the football field, and hopefully we have the ball last, and I don't have to rely on my That's, defense. Patrick, thank you for swinging, thank you for swinging by. That's incredible. I don't know why I didn't realize this before, but that's. Yeah, that's like a dead ringer, dude. I think you got a career. Like, you need to make sure that Patrick Mahomes is uh, everything that he was last year, like for the next 20 years, because you'll have a career just with that. No, I agree. I hope so, too. I'd love to have him talking like World Series of Poker and me talk about Chiefs football and see if anybody can tell a difference. <laughs> if, if there's any way ever that you could get him on like your show and go back and forth, people wouldn't know where he stops and you start. It'd no. be, it'd be, it'd no, be I, incredible. I'm working on it behind the scenes. Like they're the, the hunt Clark hunt and the ownership group of KC's out of Dallas, out of SMU. I have <laughs> oh, some yeah. ties to that area. Okay. So, no, I'm really working on it. I oh. mean, you know, if you will, it is no dream. There you go. I'm going to be, that's going to be must listen radio. There's no doubt about it. One hour down two to go here. Next hour, more of uh, Ben Mintz. We'll talk. We'll talk some saints Yeah. and we'll talk some NBA playoffs and Tulane Tuesdays on a Monday with Jacob Wass. He'll come in hour three and we'll talk a little LSU baseball as they head to the SEC tournament. We'll talk LSU baseball and uh, SEC tournament with Ben Mintz also going live on Facebook right now, our nightly Facebook live chat at nine o'clock. We'll discuss why I think the fans should appreciate the Warriors and stop Hating. Stop the hate. WWR Radio Facebook page right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.